Hello and welcome to Pods Like Us. I'm Martin Quibell, known to my friends as Marv. And this time I am talking with Ed Chen, the presenter of the Beatles-related podcast, When They Was Fab. How are you, Ed? Oh, all right, Martin. Getting ready for the holidays here in the States. Uh, Thanksgiving is coming up this Thursday. On my birthday, so everybody in America is celebrating my birthday. Thank you very much, uh, Americans. Or not so much celebrating, unfortunately. Things are not going well in the battle against COVID, as I'm sure you understand. Yes, I do. Well, to um, quote somebody who's a questionable person, it is what it is. (laughs) Well, yes. So... When were you first introduced to the world of podcasting, Ed? Oh, probably pretty early on. I remember the one of the very first podcasts which I really, really got into was uh, there was a Beatles podcast from uh, Densdale P., uh, a fellow you might know. He, he shows up on Facebook every now and again. What he did was he put out weekly about a half hour of themed songs and chat off of Beatles bootlegs. Okay. Does he still do that show or is that well over? No, that that lasted for maybe two years. Okay. And so we're talking about like maybe 2002, 2003, that long ago. Wow. Very early days of podcasting. Very early days, yep. So from there, was this show the first show that you did, and how did you get it started? Yes, this was absolutely the first show that I did. Uh, there's actually a, a slight story behind that. Uh, do you know who uh, who Kevin Smith is, the the yeah. writer, director, producer? Oh yes, yep, yep. Clark, small rats chasing Amy, so on and so forth. Yeah, Silent Bob. Silent Bob, exactly. Well, so I was sort of vaguely thinking about uh, doing a podcast. It's hard to believe that uh, that Fab has been around in one form or another for over five years now. Yes, yes, and I've heard so, every episode. You have heard every episode, and, and we'll get to that a little bit later. So this was like 2013, 2014. The, the first generation after Dinsdale's... Uh, Beatles podcast had started to come on the scene, uh, the original uh, Fab Four Free For All, and there may have been one or two others, but it was still kind of a sparse pickings at the time. Uh, so I had kind of gone and talked to some folks online, and my thought then was, well, uh, you know, maybe a discussion Beatles podcast, because really both the Free For All and then later things we said today were sort of more news-oriented, sort of minute-up-to-the-date kind of things rather than picking a topic and talking about it. So it was, it was just kind of an idea that I was kicking around and, you know, going back and forth in email and on Facebook uh, at the time, you know, well, what do you think about this as a topic? What do you think about that as a topic? Then, so Kevin Smith comes into it. Uh, he was doing a comedy tour at that time. Okay. So I went out and saw his show, and the way he ended the show was he said, there aren't enough creative people doing creative things in the world, 
and that he urged everybody to go out and, as he called it, push whimsy out into the world, which is a great phrase, by the way. It is. So, and among the things he said was, you know, take your skills, do what you want to do, and put it out into the world. And it's like, all right, damn it, I'm finally going to do it. So after maybe half a year of just kind of thinking about it and talking to people about it, it came into being. Uh, And that was the original uh, Beetling About, which is the same show, but with a different host. Yes. Yeah. So, well, you've already explained the description of what the show is. It's about picking a topic each week and then going as far as you can with that that topic. Exactly. And, And so kind of picking up on the idea of Dinsdale's original podcast, we will have outtakes, you know, I've been collecting for, what, 20, 20, more years than I want to say, at least 25, let's say it that way. Uh, and, and so, you know, I have a healthy collection of outtakes. Okay. I mean, the interesting thing is that it's like you can never run out of topics because of the impact that the band have had on so many things other than music, such as film and even literature, you find Beatles being, um, yeah, they'll be mentioned in books or, or anything. They've actually gone all over the whole spectrum of, of, uh, of entertainment. Well, and not just entertainment. I mean, uh, sociology, psychology, history, you know, serious academic subjects beyond musicology, there are the Beatles. And politics, and, you know, when you look at John and, and Paul with his politics as well in some places, and Paul with his vegetarianism, that's made its way into into the world as well. It's just everything. Well, and to just get one thing off my chest here, one thing that drives me a little bit nuts sitting on Facebook these days you know, you see people who say, oh, Paul, just stick to the music. You know, he goes and he puts out pictures of himself. In particular, four years ago, you know, he, he publicly supported Hillary Clinton. And that caused some kerfuffle, shall we say. It did. But then they've always been involved in that sort of thing. You go back as far as um, with the Beatles, when they went to America, they... Uh, they they said that they didn't want segregated audiences and that was a that was something that was so out of the ordinary as well but they pushed for that well exactly i mean you know that that's kind of my point it's like how can you say this now yeah. you know th- this has been part and parcel of the package since the very beginning personally i don't get how someone could justify being on the conservative end of the spectrum and being a Beatles person, but you know, well, that's just me. But saying "don't talk politics," sorry, that does not compute. That that's true. That's true. So, what is your history of the Beatles? Then, when when did you first discover them? Uh, well, I have a couple of very early Beatles memories. Um, I remember when I was a little kid. My cousin got uh, Nick Shafter's Beatles Forever. And I love flipping through that, except for one thing. The butcher cover scared me to death. You know, this was I was maybe four or five at the time. There were two album covers. It was, it was the butcher cover and it was uh, Queen's News of the World. Either one of those, it would just send me running from the room. 
both covers that yes i could understand how they would scare somebody that's young yeah and then the first time i really actually paid serious attention to them was uh when I was, for some reason, I was fascinated when the uh, BG Sergeant Pepper film came out. Capital reissued the original, and they had a hype sticker uh, coming out of Diana Dore's mouth saying the original. And for some reason, I just remember it was that sticker which made me want to go out and listen to this record. Okay, what was your initial opinion of the album when you first listened to the original Sergeant Pepper? Uh, I remember liking it, but I, you know, that was kind of so long ago that it was, it was jumbled in with a bunch of other sort of musical experiences of the time. Okay. Cause that was, that was kind of the time when I was, uh, entering into an interest in music. Okay. So, um, did you go then from there to the solo careers? Uh, from there, I remember seeing the the blow away video. You know, George Harrison with the with those toys. I guess that you know that was pre MTV, so I guess that would have been on some local TV thing. And I remember being interested by that. And then just a little bit later, the whole McCartney coming out promo on SNL. Uh, I I stayed up later than I should have to actually see that, but I did see that live the first time that aired in uh 1980 yes and both fabulous videos as well that are very memorable and we just got a uh an up convert of that from the mccartney folks in, in what they call hd but it's not really hd oh well i don't know what i think about the up convert to be honest well it looks good and there's a lot that i like about it but they really just need to go back and rebuild that from the parts, which they didn't do. What they did was they took the final master and uh, up-converted it and then cleaned that up. Yeah, absolutely. And you can actually see like the lines around McCartney when he's stood in front of a screen. Yeah, the matte lines are very clear. I have a first-generation copy off of the, the videotape and it has been cleaned up from that very definitely because it used to be that uh, not only did you have the matte lines, you had sort of the, the fuzziness around each McCartney. And you could tell the generation of film, whether, you know, how far back it was by how far out the fuzziness went. That's been cleaned up reasonably well. Yes, you, you have quite the archive of material. What, what sort of material have you got and how have you got that archive of material? Well, I mean, uh, of course, nowadays it's all on the internet. I've been collecting Dutch imports, as we like to call them, probably since uh, the 90s. Okay. So, you know, since, since the dawn of the, the CD era with Dutch imports, I've, I've been collecting. And then beyond that, you know, since probably 2004, 2005, all of this material has just sort of gone flooding onto the internet, as with everything else. So um, the, the archive that you use in your show, is that the archives that you've built up in your own um, collection? Yeah, a combination. Uh, a lot of times I will dig back into my own personal archives. Uh, a lot of times it's just easier to go on YouTube and find things. 
even if it's already in my personal collection somewhere. Yeah, and I'm guessing that Lonnie, your your other host, I'm guessing that he also provides a lot from his archive as well because he's said numerous times about things that he's recorded on a little tape recorder off the television and things like that. Yeah, although kind of kind of less of that just because we've gotten better quality copies through the years. There are a handful of things. Uh, the In particular, from the Wings 76 show, the second show of the Wings Over America tour, which was actually here, uh, here in Houston. And, and we're, we're very proud of the fact that we originate out of this town. There was a commercial from the radio station, uh, and that came from Lonnie's personal taping of it off the radio. Okay, so what would you say is your favorite Beatles album? Uh, Abbey Road. There's no question about that. Wow, that's straight to it. What about your favorite album from each of the Beatles solo eras? Well, uh, you know that changes uh, we from from moment to moment. Uh, you know, with John, it's either going to be Plastic Ono Band or Imagine or Double Fantasy. Although most of the time, I would say it's Double Fantasy or you know Double Fantasy, Milk and Honey, the 1980s stuff. Yeah. Uh, with George, it's going to be either All Things Must Pass or Cloud Nine and occasionally Brainwashed because when I'm in the mood, Brainwashed is, is just a tremendous record. Yeah, it's a lovely album to have on in the, in the background and just relax and give your brain a rest and just listen to the music. Yeah, and then, I mean, other times you're listening to it and it just gets a little sad, unfortunately. That's true. And then Ringo, uh, time takes time. I mean, I I would say Ringo, but Ringo, I've overplayed it a little bit too much, I think. Yeah, I think there were other albums um, from Ringo. I think everybody always naturally goes to the, the Ringo album because, yeah, agreed, it's the one that, that stands out the most, but it's missing things that people might not know about, like uh, Time Takes Time. That's a really good album, and um, that was multiple producers. So, yeah, that's true. Uh, but even before that, you got Buku Blues. I think that's a lovely album. Oh, absolutely! I like a lot of his current stuff, although it's not so much memorable as an album. You know, Why Not or Postcards from Paradise. I like a lot of material off of those records, but it's kind of hard to remember what exactly is on which record. It's like there's the Mark Hudson era and then there's the post-Mark Hudson era. Yes. And then there's you know a lot of tracks that I like from one or from the other, but I, can't, I couldn't tell you which album it came off of necessarily. Uh, so I guess that leaves Paul. Uh, let's go with Chaos and Creation. You know, that's a great record. It is, yep. I like that album a lot. I like the Electric Arguments album as well, The Fireman. Yep. And then of the regulars, you know, I also, I really like Tug of War, uh, Band on the Run. Again, much like Ringo, I love Band on the Run, but it's overplayed. Uh, Flowers of the Dirt is also a great record. Yeah. So um, have you got a history of recording from before doing podcast or was podcasting your first experience of recording? Podcasting was mostly my first experience with recording, but uh, I had spent 
a little bit of time when I was in high school, sort of vaguely thinking that I, that I might want to be uh, either a sportscaster or a radio journalist of some sort. But and so I learned a little bit. But I mean, you know, again, that was a completely different era. But the skills were at least somewhat put into my head at that time. And then, as folks might know from listening to the show, both Lonnie and I have a history with the musicians here in town. We work with them, and so I spent some time in the studio with them, just observing more than anything else. Okay. Have you got any standout moments from shows that you've done? I mean, there's a lot of shows to go through, I know, but any that stand out to you? Well, of course, our interview with uh, Lawrence Schuber, that was a tremendous show. Uh, and that ended up being a kind of a historic show because uh, that ended up coming out uh, the week of the big hurricane here in town in 2017. So show moments for show moments. Uh, the show that we always go to as, as among our best uh, was the Darren Murphy uh, drum demonstration show. You know, he went through all of Ringo from all of the Beatles demonstrating how Ringo changed styles and uh, sort of discussing the business of Ringo as a drummer through the years. That ultimately will probably be uh, both Lonnie and my favorite show from all time to the present. I mean, you know, that could always change. Yeah, I think it's great that you did that because uh, it's a cliched conversation now, I suppose, but it irritates me when people will talk about Ringo's drumming. If you look at it carefully, there's something about his drumming that is fabulous. And, you know, as people have said, he wasn't lucky to be in the Beatles. He was the heart of the Beatles in a way with his drumming because it was just like nothing else of that time. Uh, well, certainly. I mean, you know, you look at Pete Best, and Pete Best was probably appropriate for the early Beatles. Of course, Ringo wasn't Ringo at that point in time either. But you look at 1960 through 1961, all they really needed was someone who could pound the drums hard and keep a beat. And Pete could do that. He was not subtle with the drums he had no real good idea on how to do fills no it was very basic it just kept a beat and there was nothing nothing more to it than that and in a way you listen to those old records with pete on the drums and you get paul's plodding along on the bass and wanting to do more but can't because he's having to fit in with what pete's doing on the bass and then suddenly when ringo came even paul's bass playing was able to get better as well Although we have to remember, you know, Paul had just picked up the bass at that point in time. You know, that's one thing about Paul McCartney that just sort of stuns me. Uh, you know, Ain't She Sweet and Cry for a Shadow, Paul had been playing the bass as the bass player in the Beatles for 10 days, two weeks. Wow. He's there recording. And, you know, it's not the most fancy of bass lines, but it's more than serviceable. As you know, it's like... Pete is almost holding Paul back. It is. Yeah. Like I said, as soon as Ringo joined, there was a very marked change in Paul's playing. Like I said, he suddenly put more into it. But then I think that Ringo helped with upping all the other three's game in all of the music that they played. Uh, John, certainly. 
as the rhythm guitarist, George, there might be a question about. Uh, it certainly helped George out, but as the lead guitarist, George had to develop in his own way. And, and it, that sort of lasted throughout his entire career. He was never one to just sort of very quickly toss something out and have it be perfect. He had to work at it and work at it and work at it until it was just right. Okay, so when you're preparing for each episode, how do you research for that episode? What research do you do leading up to doing the episodes? Uh, well, typically what happens is, well, if something's going on, then we know it, and, and it's just a matter of kind of going back and, and building an outline, more or less from what we know, and then kind of filling in the facts, either from the internet, you know, something like, Beatles Bible, for example, uh, or going into, again, I have far too many Beatles books on my shelves to give me an idea of just the general facts and a general direction for where we want the show to go. Uh, so, you know, is that research? For me, the real research sort of comes after we've recorded. Uh, one of the things, as you know, uh, Fab is a very highly edited show, uh, you know, and when Lonnie and I are just sort of talking, even on mic, we'll make mistakes and those mistakes get edited out. So, you know, it's like, I'll have to sit there and listen to it and it's go, well, I'm not sure if that's right. You know, it's like, oh, well, you know, this came out in this month in this year. And it's like, really? I don't, I don't think so. So, you know, I then go digging into the exact release date and then even further, as we had mentioned, you know, interviews either out of my personal collection or out of what's on the internet, finding the right quote to go along with it. That's what a lot of people like about our show. Uh, you know, the interviews are sort of all over the place, but each of the Beatles have discussed a lot of these topics during the course of, you know, 40, 50 years of being interviewed. Yeah, and of course, other people that have been a part of the Beatles entourage, they've given interviews as well, so you're able to use those as well. Absolutely. Yeah. So how do you actually edit the show then? Uh, well, uh, it's so what happens is uh, we record using uh, a piece of software known as Zencaster, which, you know, is the, the software itself doesn't matter, but... What it does is it gives you individual tracks for each of your guests. And so, so all of that, what I will typically do is bring the tracks. If it's just Lonnie and I, which is, you know, let's say half the time, I would say we have guests about half the time and it's just us talking about something about half the time. If it's just the two of us, then I can bring it into uh, my editing suite. What I use is Audacity, uh, I'm sure. Um, most of your listeners should be familiar with that piece of software. It's an open source audio editing software. It's, you know, you could use GarageBand uh, equally well. Uh, and so what comes out of Zencaster is an audio track of myself and an audio track of uh, Lonnie, which I then make into a stereo image. Uh, myself, usually far right and Lonnie far left. Then I can just sort of start editing from there. Um, start up at the top and just sort of keep go bit by bit and it will take me usually oh I would say 
three to four hours from record time to the time that there's actually a final edit, not necessarily counting all the time that I will go on and try and find just the perfect clip. Okay, so where did you get that great theme music from? Uh, well, our musical director is, is a friend of mine that's been a friend of mine for uh, probably 35, 40 years. He's, he's a very talented uh, keyboard player and bass player named uh, uh, Young Kim. He comes out of uh, San Francisco. Uh, your listeners might know him. He was in the most recent iteration of Hawkwind. Okay. Wow. I love Hawkwind. So he, he toured in, in, in the most recent version of Hawkwind. Uh, he is the one who is responsible for our opening theme. And it's a really good theme as well. It works perfectly. It's got that Beatlesque feel to it. A little bit long, but uh, and, and he will occasionally provide bits of incidental music for us. Okay. How do you uh, get hold of the guests that you get and how do you choose them? Well, choose is a difficult concept. It's really, to a certain extent, whoever is willing to come on with us. Uh, I would actually love to have someone who would help us out on the booking end of things. Uh, as far as how we go about finding guests now, it's really just a matter of approaching people either through their representatives or um, just directly through Facebook or Instagram or the socials, as they say. Uh, you know, for example, uh, this year we had uh, David Spindell on and we were, you know, that was very cool. Uh, he was the one of the photographers who took pictures of uh, John Lennon during the Double Fantasy sessions. And, you know, like you say, that was just kind of a matter of I bought uh, his book and I sent him a note saying, oh, we've got this podcast. Would you be interested in coming on? And we got it figured out. Uh, and then, you know, like with Lawrence Juber, uh, that was actually uh, Jay Young Kim, who I just mentioned. He went to go see him at a show in the Bay Area and, you know, said, oh, my friends have this podcast. Would you be interested? Although it actually turns out that Lawrence Juber will show up on anybody's podcast anytime you ask. No, it is like that. He's, he's everywhere. He's all over. Yeah. I, I even know a show he's on soon, but I can't say because it's a secret at the moment as well. <laughs> <laughs> so um, have you got a structure that uh, that is set for the uh, for the show or does it change according to each? Uh, it changes per show. There, there are a couple of things I like to uh, make sure, you know, I like to, so there's always going to be a clip before the theme music and that's a clip from one of the Beatles or one of their associates, or even, you know, like an advertising thing. We just did an anthology show, so I put on a vintage anthology three advertisement right in front of the show. Uh, and then the opening theme, then usually sort of Lonnie and I and the guests will have some brief period of discussion. And then sort of what happens from between 10 minutes and 50 minutes is depend is where does this discussion go? 
Okay. And sometimes you have other people actually going through these subjects with you as well. How do you choose those people like Kit and Ethan and uh, Ken Womack you've had on as well and other people? Yep. Well, uh, well, I mean, again, a lot of those are just sometimes people ask us, uh, uh, well, with regards to Kit, Kit O'Toole, everybody uh, knows and loves Kit. She is better known to all of us as the uh, queen of Beatles media. You know, sometimes, like I say, it's just a matter of Lonnie and I, uh, it's like, okay, let's get somebody else in here to kind of stir things up a little bit. And then it's like, well, who can we ask? Uh, And then, well, I mean, you know, we had yourself on, um, when was that? That's, That's been over a year ago. Crikey, was it that long ago? I, I can't remember when that was. I thought it was this year, but obviously not, because we've been on lo- in lockdown. Yeah, I mean, you know, 2020 has, uh, has caused everything to escape from all of us, but, uh, you know, so that's, there is no real structure to that. A lot, sometimes it is dependent upon if there's someone who is an expert on a thing, uh, you know, like... Ken Michaels, when we were talking about uh, solo McCartney that we would put onto a, a single album, I believe was was the topic with Ken Michaels. So you know, he's one you're going to pick for that. Or we did a crossover show with the Two Legs uh, on Wings Over America. Yeah, you know, we did half of it and they did half of it, and uh, you know, as a Beatles podcast. That was how that came about. And sometimes it's just a matter of, oh, well, you want to talk about this? And it's like, okay. That's how I got introduced to Two Legs, actually. It's because I heard the episode that you did with them, and I thought, well, I'm going to have to listen to the other half now on their show. And, yeah, it all came from there. And, well, I mean, that's one of uh, the ways you got introduced to Ethan, although Ethan is now everywhere as well. Ethan Alexanian. He is. Uh, Before we carry on, I'll just point out to listeners that uh, Ed is the man who christened Kitto Tool the Queen of Beatles Media. Yep. You can actually hear that on the show. I believe that was uh, uh, the the Michael Jackson Beatles show that we did. uh, You know, that's all the way three or four years ago now. It was, yes. So, um, as, as, a, as a side issue, what, what do you think of Paul's uh, McCartney 3 promotion with all these different variations? I'm not one who has any problems with it. You know, a lot of people complain. Uh, I, the one thing I will say is I do kind of wish that he had just uh, done a single copy of the album with all four of the bonus tracks rather than sort of spreading them across four separate issues. But the price is not what concerns me with that. Uh, I'm glad that he uh, released the dice. You know, I I was jealous of folks who got the dice uh, for free when it came up. And, you know, I don't mind paying 20 bucks for the dice, although we we have to buy one of the CDs with the dice. He and his record company are doing whatever they can to get this album up to number one in the first week. You know, a lot of people said it's a sap to capitalism. But again, like I said earlier, with the Beatles and politics, they've always been saps to capitalism. Yep. No pun intended. So anyway, to, to answer your question, 
I got no problems with it. I, the only other thing I would say is I do wish that he would drop a single, you know, especially since he has pushed back the record a week or he's been forced to push back the record a week. I don't, I don't believe that that was actually his choice. No. So there were actually two songs which apparently got played on the radio this morning. All right. I didn't hear those. Neither have I, but I'm sure someone has them and they will be making their way onto the internet soon enough. But yeah, two songs did actually get played on uh, Breakfast with the Beatles, not Chris Carter's Breakfast with the Beatles, the other Breakfast with the Beatles this morning. Okay. But like you said, it's, it's irritating because the reviews for the album are really good. But the fact that it's not released a song from the album just yet is is irritating because if the album's that good, there must be songs that he could put out before the album to get people's interest even more, where people can just go, oh, look, that, oh, that sounds good. I like that. I'm interested in the album now. But yeah, I'd really like to see a song about it. And I keep checking to see if there's a new song come out and that constantly. Yeah. The 30 seconds are cute, but it doesn't quite scratch that itch. No. You know, we, we've got two, two little excerpts, of, uh, uh, two 15-second excerpts, and that's it as far as officially released audio from the record. Absolutely. And do you think we will actually see the deluxe edition of the Plastic Ono Band by John Lennon before the end of this year then? No, that's not going to happen. What I am kind of sort of expecting is we may get an All Things Must Pass box around February for George's birthday, fingers crossed. Because we, you know, we, we're pretty certain that that's coming out, and the plastic Ono box, maybe sometime in uh, early summer, June, July next year. I don't think they would wait all the way till till October because there's still going to be all the the Beatles hype going on with Peter Jackson's "Let It Be" and probably the "Let It Be" box at that point. Yeah, I think. Um... It's a double-edged sword, shall we say, the the COVID, because I think it's pushed back all this other Beatles-related material, like the the Let It Be set and John's Plasticono band and George's All Things Must Pass. But on the other hand, Paul, it's helped him, obviously, to be able to create an album almost from scratch during the lockdown. Well, yeah, it's interesting that he is actually sort of finally going back to some of these little doodles he had on his phone yeah because the amount of times i've actually heard him mention in, in interviews that he's got these things he's done on uh garage band or whatever on his, on his iphone and and now he's actually gone to doing those things because he actually said oh i might not ever get the time to do to do anything with them and this has forced him to actually do something with those bits and then also you know the what is now pretty much absolutely going to be the final George Martin production. I'm glad we're getting that. Yeah. Is it actually using any of George Martin's production from that version that they recorded? Yes. The the vocal, you know, George was in charge of the recording, the certainly the vocal. Now he may have added some things to it, but George certainly produced the version of the vocal, uh, which is on the record. Wow. I'm so glad that's happening. That'll be lovely to hear that one. So um, what other podcasts do you uh, listen to outside of your own? Uh, Well, I mean, of late, I've actually had a lot more time to listen to podcasts. I used to have a 
oh, 10, 15 minute commute. Now that has been bumped up to about 45 minutes either direction. So, so I, I can actually get in pretty much a full podcast in either direction. Um, you know, so there, there are certainly Beatles podcasts that I listen to. Uh, Two Legs, as mentioned. Uh, Beatles City is one that I like a lot. Uh, I Am the Egg Pod. Um, talk More Talk. Um, something About the Beatles. Beatles Naked. You know, the list goes on and on. Uh, and then there are the non-Beatles podcasts for, for my other interests. I know that you're, you're a Star Trek person. I listen to a lot of those Star Trek podcasts. The official podcast, uh, which has started up in this past year, that is really pretty cool. Is, is that the one I listened to, the uh, Mission Log, or is that another one? No, uh, it's called uh, a Pod Directive. Wow, I don't know that one. Tony Newsom from, uh, the, uh, from the animated series from Lower Decks is one of the hosts of that show. Okay. Uh, and so what they do is they, uh, she and her co-host uh, go out and actually talk to professional people. Uh, it's kind of like uh, the David Tennant podcast, but less actor oriented. Uh, you know, they have actual astronauts and politicians, and then they do have folks like Ben Stiller on, for example. Okay. Okay. I've, I've just added that to my uh, list now. Um what advice would you give to people starting in uh, podcasting for the first time? Don't. <laughs> no. Uh, uh, it, you need to have an idea of what you want to do. Uh, the, the first four or five episodes are easy. What you need is the next five to ten episodes. If you can get to 15 episodes written out in outline form, you're probably going to have a podcast that can go. Uh, then, then the second thing I would say is, are you concerned about your listenership or not? Now, I don't mean by that, oh, I don't care uh, who is listening or why. Do you care about the number of listeners? Are you trying to build up uh, an audience for the purpose of either having a Patreon, which brings you a, a fair bit of money, or being able to advertise? Because that's a very different thing. Yeah. And so, you know... That's kind of uh, that, that's that's the beginning of what I would say someone needs to be thinking about when they uh, are starting up a podcast. Uh, things I would say not to worry about: don't worry about how your voice sounds. Nobody likes how their voice sounds, but once you get into the business of talking, and you know, like we're doing here, you, you wind me up and, and I'll go. And I never kind of thought that I was that kind of a person, but. It, Turns out that I am. And I think to a certain extent, we all are. Yeah, I think everybody is buttoned up. And then after a while, you know, you'll undo the button and you'll just, it'll all just come out eventually. And I found that with everybody that I've talked with on, on this show, everybody will just talk. And I think it was um, Ant Short I was talking to where he said that he's done it for that long that it's almost like he's always in podcast mode. He's always in that mode where he can just talk and talk and talk because it's there now naturally. Well, yes and no. I mean, I will get ramped up when I know that I'm getting ready to record. Whereas if just cold, you say, we're going to do a show in five minutes. It's like, okay. Uh, and I will be able to get through it, but 
it's a much better show when, when I've had some time to think about it. And it's like, okay, here's where we're going. My first ever show was that I was planning on actually starting recording the show a week later. And then one of the guests actually said to me, I'll start the Zoom call now and we'll do it right this minute. And that took me so by surprise. And I thought, I never want to do that again where it's like, can we do it now? I thought, no, because <laughs> it's, it's scary doing it there on the spot without any preparation at all. Absolutely. Well, I mean, to, to give you another example of, of the other way, you know, um, uh, just this last Friday, um, I was getting ready to do a show with a guest and then like 45 minutes before it's like, uh, sorry, can't make it. And I was all wound up and it's like, well, now where is this, all of this energy going to go? Yes. So, so, um, how can people find your show and where can they get in touch with you? Uh, the easiest way to find our show is on uh, Podbean. Uh, the, the name of the show is When They Was Fab, and you can find us at whentheywasfab.podbean.com. Um, if you are an iOS user, go and use Apple Podcasts and just search for When They Was Fab. Or if you just search for Beatles, uh, then look for the uh, icon of uh, George Harrison's famous guitar, Rocky, and there it is. Uh, and so the, the best place to reach us is probably our Facebook group, uh, again, when they was fab on Facebook. But we also have uh, email and Twitter and you know all the rest of the standard socials. If you do a search on uh, Google or your search engine, you're bound to find it. Well, Martin did, thankfully. You know, I did. Uh, I, I've got to say that we're... We're very glad because although we'd had listeners before, you were the first one who actually sort of came up and said to us, oh, by the way, I'm binging your show and I really love it. I dig what you're doing and I'm going through it. And it's like, oh, wow, that is really pretty cool. Yeah, I listened to it and I just couldn't stop listening to it. And I thought I've got to listen to every episode and uh, get up to date with it as opposed to somewhere you could start on a new a new episode but not go to the archive this was one where i thought i really have to put the time in because you guys have put together a show that's you, you can tell that the the love has gone into the show and you've prepared it and that so it deserves listening to every episode and and knowing how you've got to where you are now and then yeah and then i contacted you and throughout it and it it was funny because the closer i get going you you kept um responding to it and and saying, oh, you're getting closer and things like that. It was it was fun to do that. Well, and, and a lot of that was because you were in the first year. And, and we uh, we got we to throw a shout out to uh, Dave for Sales, uh, who was yep. the uh, co-host for the first year uh, when the show was known as uh, Beatling About, a title which I like, but uh, he, he came up with that title. So he, he requested that he get to keep it, although he hasn't done anything with it since then. No. But, uh, yeah, uh, and I guess one thing which we kind of haven't mentioned, podcasts-related, for the first couple of years of the show, we were fortunate enough to have the facilities of the uh, RTV, uh, I guess, facility at uh, Rice University. I don't know if you know of Rice University. It's, uh, it's a small to medium-sized uh, probably a couple thousand undergraduates uh, here in town. Okay. 
it's consistently recognized as the uh, best value for the money uh, among universities here in the States. Wow. So, so you were using their equipment to make the show with? Exactly. So I guess for the first three years, um, we were able to go and sort of check out the studio. And so it was pretty much other than the, the fee to get it up and online, it was completely free for us to produce. Wow, that, that's brilliant. That's very generous of them to, to, to let you do that as well. Well, uh, that's and then then sort of by the by the end of the third year, uh, there were issues at the university, and anyway, we won't go into it. But we uh, and it was time for us to move on to our own equipment. But the nice thing was, I then knew what I liked and what I didn't like in terms of mics and uh, the interface that we had to use. And it's like, okay, I'm going to replicate that and replicate that. And I'm going to use something different for this. Okay. And so, you know, uh, of course, again, that too has changed now that Lonnie is no longer here in town and, and we don't get to do shows in person. The We're pretty much sort of going through Zencaster these days. But uh, up until, I guess, the end of 2019, we were still pretty much recording in person. Okay. So when, when you do uh, talk on Zencaster... Are you just doing it by talk, or do you see each other at the same time? Uh, we just do audio. Now, Zencaster is in the process of uh, introducing a video interface. Uh, I don't know whether we're going to want to go to a video podcast. It, it kind of isn't what we do, you know what I'm saying? But would it help with, with the show if you were looking at each other, even if you weren't going to use the video? Would it make the show any easier to make, or does it not really make much of a difference whether you can see each other or not? I don't think it would make that much of a difference in the discussion. It might make overlap with the both of us talking at the same time uh, a bit less frequent. But usually when we talk, when we say something at the same time, one or the other of us repeats ourselves. So since we're on separate tracks, it's easy enough to then go and splice around it. Yeah, understood. Okay, thank you for talking with me, Ed. Oh, you're very welcome. Thank you. And thank you, everybody, for listening, and hope you listen again to another episode of Pods Like Us.
And you. Hey there. How are you doing? Oh, all right. Let me just check on a couple things here. Okay. What's up with you? Nothing much. Just enjoying my first of six days off. Yay. Need the vacation time. Just can't can't do anything with it whenever we're in lockdown. <laughs> oh, where's the damn, where's the damn controls on this thing? I don't do video anyway. Oh, okay. Well then, then if you if if you're fine without the video, then, then let's roll. Okay, Ed. Is there anything we need to pick up on that we didn't include in the show? I think we got everything. Is there anything else you want? I don't know. Do you, do you think there's anything? No. Sorry. I think, I think we got. I think we got through a pretty good show there. I think we've got a very good show there. Yeah. Yeah. Kit and Ethan are both always available and pretty much always willing to come on and talk about something, and their knowledge at least can they, they can keep up. They can. You know, uh, the most of the thing about the guests is just can they keep up? Oh, well, that's cool. Uh, that's uh, that's for that's for the season ender. Yes. Yep. We're going to have a it, so it's like a group chat where we'll discuss podcast. Uh, and the idea of this one is we're going to discuss the popularity of music podcasting and. Uh, the different the different type of music podcasts that there are out there and uh, a subject that I'm going to to broach I thought it might be interesting to discuss how some music stays relevant like the Beatles for years and why that stays relevant and some of the music doesn't well uh I didn't mention it but another of my favorite podcasts is the uh, Carol King's daughter has a podcast okay and she interviews musicians. Uh, let me let me let me dig up the name here. Uh, and that's a, a really cool podcast. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and that that will actually fit in with the with with that discussion. Uh, come on. I'm going. I'm going to place uh, whatever this show is you come out with. I'm going to place this in the after show uh, after show bit somehow or another. I got too many podcasts in my library here. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> I think mine says ninety something. But as I say, you know, the people people say, "Isn't it a drag having to having to drive that that much when you when you didn't used to?" It's like, no. Well, that actually gives me time to listen to my audio books and listen to keep keep up to date with my podcast. That's exactly. So, what, what do I you do. think of Ken Womack's podcast, the, the Everything Fab Four? I've not listened to it yet. Um, uh, Song Chronicles is the name of Louise Goffin's podcast. Okay. Oh, she's the daughter of um, Jerry Goffin of, then as well. Uh, Goffin and Jerry King. Goffin, yeah. Carol King. That's, yeah. Yeah. And there, there's, well, you know, again, she starts with like a five-parter with, with, with her mom. Yeah. So, but, you know, uh, it, Reminds me a little bit of the the Soda Jerkers. Yeah, that's it. That yeah, yeah. That, that's a good show. They've had some really good guests. Well, they've had Sir Paul on, so indeed. 
Yep. That that's the next one for when they was fab. Paul will turn up. Let's hope. Well, I mean, you keep hoping. You know, Ringo Ringo is never going to show up on a podcast, but I kind of get the feeling that sooner or later, Paul is just going to say, you know. Paul's been on podcasts and Paul's been on sort of a random podcast. Apparently, you know, if you're fortunate enough to just run into him on the street in, in New York city, you can ask him to be on the podcast and he will do it. Yeah. Right. Flipping out. Yeah. He's done, he's done the celebrity podcast, you know, he, he's done, he's done the, the ID 10 T and he did, uh, and a couple others, but he's also done like a couple of just sort of random how did they book Paul McCartney? And Soda Jerker doesn't count because, I mean, you know, those guys went to Lipa. That's true. That's true. Okay. Okay. You you take care, Ed. All right. Very good. Okay. So, so you is that is this the last show, the, the, the group show that you're recording, the last show you're recording for a while? No, I'm starting to record season two on Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> During your break here. Yeah, I've got, I've got a day break and then I'm back again on Tuesday. Yeah. Okay. I mean, if you could, uh, if you could throw me uh, the link once you've edited everything together, just so I could have a listen, that would be appreciated. That's fine. Okay. Thank you. Ed. Okay. You take All care. Right. No problem. I'll talk to you soon. Thanks very much. Bye. Bye.